This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Yo, what's up, guys? You like our podcast? You want to make your own? You have all the power, all the resources you need to make your own podcast. That's right. If you haven't heard about Anchor by Spotify, let me give you a rundown. Basically, it's the easiest way to make a podcast with everything you need all in one place. And here's how it works. Anchor lets you record and edit podcasts right from your phone or your computer. So no matter what your setup is like, you can start creating today. Then you can distribute your podcast to the most popular listening platforms, including Spotify with a single tap. Anchor is also the only place you can publish video podcasts to Spotify, which is super important. With Anchor, creators can earn money in a variety of ways, including ads and podcast subscriptions. That's right. And best of all, Anchor is totally free. So download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. That is anchor.fm to get started. It's what we use. We get a little kickback from it, and we appreciate it. So if you guys want your own podcast, go to Anchor. Dot .fm to get started. Peace. Hello and welcome to Anatomy of Marriage. I'm your host, Melanie Studley. What's up, guys? My name is Seth Studley. I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist. We want you guys to check out Jocelyn and Aaron Freeman of Meet the Freemans and the conversation we had about their brand new book called The Argument Hangover. It's really cool. They had super cool um, steps to go through. That's going to help you no matter what. All right, let's dive in. Hey guys, what's up? Seth and Melanie here. We're super excited to hang out with Aaron and Jocelyn Freeman of Meet the Freemans. What's up, you guys? Hello, glad to be here. Thanks for having us on. Yes. Yeah, I know we've, we've done some back and forth of we've seen your guys' stuff, you've seen our stuff, and sometimes it seems like the more we get into this space, that's just the, the thing like, oh, we'd love to, okay, this is opening, let's do it, right. we can't kind of thing, and we, we had some back and forth there, so we're super excited to finally be able to sit down with you guys, and we want you to talk about all the stuff you have going on, mm-hmm. especially well, we were, we were talking earlier about moving to North Carolina and all that stuff. We can get into that, which I'm excited about. But your main thing, The Argument Hangover, your brand new mm. book, you guys. Yes. Yeah. yeah. The Argument Hangover. I'm sure people listening who are in a relationship or have ever been in a relationship are like, I know exactly what that means. I know More exactly so what, what it feels, feels like. <laughs> the <laughs> Argument Hangover period. And just to briefly define it for people to have context, the Argument Hangover is a term that we created to describe the period of time after a disagreement that lasts all the way up until you fully reconnect emotionally. And oftentimes people think the goal is to avoid conflict altogether, when rather it's actually to shorten the argument hangover period. And we can go into all the things about that. Yeah. Oh, yeah, totally. So I know that I just dove straight into it, but can you guys introduce yourselves to our listeners who may not be familiar with your work? Oh, sure. Well, so Aaron and Jocelyn Freeman, known as the Freemans, and we are relationship coaches and work with mostly couples together, which is great. We're really honored to do that work. And I think that just to, I think people like to share the highlight reel, but it really started from us having completely different views of relationships. He grew up in a household where there was no conflict. He really didn't see what, you know, healthy communication about emotions looked like. Whereas I watched my parents go from madly in love to intense divorce. And so I had this fear around 
on divorce. And we just had totally different blueprints and ideas for relationships. In fact, he tried to break up with me a few months in. And so long story short, you can ask all the elements that you want, but we got into this work because we really didn't see a lot happening out there. Now there's, you know, more people popping up doing like couples work. But when we started there, really all we saw was work in the church and then counseling. There right. wasn't really any relationship coaching, any couples coaching Very, I mean, when we would Google, it was very hard to find. There weren't like workshops and seminars for couples that again, weren't like counseling based or from a church. And so we've been honored to do this work and have done, you know, all the workshops and all the, again, the highlight reel stuff. Yeah. Right. Awesome. So how long have you been doing this work? Like what's your timeline of all that? What are we in 2020? I don't pay attention to time. So 2021, so six, going on six years. Mm-hmm. Nice. Awesome. Yeah. Y'all awesome. are crushing it. That's you know amazing. What? Uh, so just with this Valentine's Day 2021, it kind of like came and went, right. but it was the four year anniversary of when we first yeah, when we started our stuff of, of and our we stuff, started so. it for the exact same reason that you guys did, which is mm-hmm. really cool because it's like we found the exact same issues where what, when we were going through the hardest part of our marriage, we're like, how do we do this? What do we do? There's nothing out there for us. And so I love that your motivation was like basically the same exact thing. We want to do what would been, have been helpful for us. So mm-hmm. that's exciting. That's so exciting. Yeah. And how long have you guys been married? Almost six years. No. Mm-hmm. Again, yeah, I don't, again, we don't pay attention to time, but I I forget how old I am. Given that it was out of necessity when we got together, realizing, okay, all challenges come from that there's a missing skill and just having that awareness, like, you know what? I don't feel like we're fully set up for like the best marriage ever Mm -hmm. because we're just out here like guessing. So out of necessity and then out of necessity, you practice out of the practice you like embody and then people ask you, then you have courses and coaching after that. Right, right on. Well, that's crazy. You guys dove into it in real time while you were like, hey, wait a minute. Well, I've only known you for X amount of years. Eight minutes. Eight minutes and then you start a podcast. (laughs) Ours was a little different than that. We, I don't know, we were probably married about 10 years when we first, uh, maybe maybe 12 years. But yeah, we, we created the show that we wanted when we were going through all the hard stuff, right? Right, right? Creating the resources that we wish we had. Right. So, okay, that's awesome. So you talk about the argument hangover and that's such an interesting concept because I know any couple that's listening right now has been like, I know exactly what they're talking right. about. In another video, you described it as like the feeling you have after maybe if you went out partying too much and had mm-hmm. too much alcohol or like you had a huge heavy meal or something like that. You're just like, oh my goodness, I'm in like a zone and mm-hmm. it doesn't feel good. And like, arguments really feel that same way because I believe that we wanted, I think at one of our core longings is we want to be really connected heart-wise to our partner, right? And then in the, I guess I'll use your language, the argument hangover, we feel that disconnect mm-hmm. in that. So I know every single person listening knows exactly what's that, what that is. And you talk about the five R's of repair mm-hmm. after the conflict. And that reminds me a bit of, are you guys familiar with John and Julie Gottman? I'm of course. Sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So he, he talks about like, repairing and he has cards and stuff. And I believe you guys too do too. And how actually impactful and you, you can do, do certain Snappy. interventions right then, right there to, to get you back on track. And this is funny because we kind of had a little argument over the weekend and I had that feeling like, Oh gosh, I'm like, am I stoned? Did I drink too much? No, <laughs> I didn't, but I felt like that. Right. So can you guys dive into the five R's of mm. repair? Yeah. One of the things I wanted to acknowledge why the hangover really struck me was even around, I used to drink in my college days and before Jocelyn, and it was that idea of being guilty 
or wishing I hadn't taken actions that I did mm-hmm. when out drinking, that's what really struck me about. I really wish I hadn't said what I said to my partner when I was heated. Mm-hmm. Right. That is really what I feel, you know, causes the argument hangover. So, you know, it's not about avoiding these conflicts, but shortening that time period. Right. And so, you know, you have pattern interrupts, as you mentioned, but really once you've got into it, the five R's are really powerful because the first one being that you need to request a pause. Like when you are in it and you feel this is really not effective, it's really not going anywhere, emotion is too high, and we're starting to do more damage now by how we're acting Mm -hmm. rather than the original cause, it's just great to request a pause in which you individually are going to reflect on, okay, what really brought this up? What was the source of this actually? Yeah. To go into that a little bit more, because what we see often is people go, well, I said, I'm sorry. Right. Mm. And they think that's enough. Whereas what we talk about is actually, it doesn't close the circle. It's almost like you leave this circle open partially because you didn't really acknowledge the impact Mm. that your actions and your words had on the partner and even acknowledge maybe more the root cause. So people Mm. then just want to get past it. I'm sorry. Okay. Can we just brush it? Can we get on with our day? I'm sorry. And they think that's enough, but really they're still hurt. Mm -hmm. So the first R being reflect, reflect Mm -hmm. on what was really the source of this. How did you play a part? Second R, you take responsibility for it. It's the toughest piece, I think, for uh, me, right. I think for the males. Many people <laughs> to take responsibility yeah. for the Sorry, action. Sorry, I'm wrong. You're yeah. right. I, yeah. Uh. <laughs> not, yeah, not even always like admitting, I think. I think that's what, again, people can try to make as the gold standard is admitting they're wrong. And I don't think that's mm-hmm. always the solution. It's more so acknowledging where you started to take actions from your triggers mm-hmm. and you started to act unconsciously and you know, that is what really caused the damage from the disagreement is like how mm-hmm. we act in those triggered states. So we, I don't want to keep going through them, but those are the first yeah. two. Well, no, I, I really like that. And I might pause on a couple right. like, points mm-hmm. acting on a trigger. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Ooh, that's big because we, you know, in our work, we talk about being intentional and then trying our best to be proactive rather than reactive. So if we know what our triggers are beforehand, which before we get flooded, which of course, again, Dr. John Gottman's work, when we're flooded, it's like, okay, our brains are turned off. We're in our lizard brain, right? right? So acting on a trigger, if we can first take that uh, or have that awareness ourselves, I'm like, ah, oh, what I just said, I was, I acted from a trigger right there. Okay, pause. Let me do what I need to do to slow everything down. Mm-hmm. So I, I really like that acting on our triggers. Mm-hmm. Okay. And one of the things I want to say too, that it kind of reminded me of was that I saw in one of your videos, you talked about this idea that people don't realize that having emotions is okay. Like we are trained Mm -hmm. to think that if I'm having an emotion, it is bad. Don't get mad. Why are you so upset? Right. And when you said that, I was like, oh, that's such a good, um, that's such an insightful idea because if we're, we're taught to like suppress um, our emotions and then we have a trigger and we have no education on how to manage what to do next. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's sort of like this terrible feedback cycle of perpetuating not doing the right thing, if that makes sense. It, it just, that yes. popped up into my head as you said that, mm-hmm. but I don't want to get sidetracked on the R's. Yeah. <laughs> so go well, back. No, well, no, we have three more and right, this is yeah. good. This is, this will add value to our right. I love that you're fired up about it. It's great. I, it's also, really yeah. exciting. <laughs> you're really right too. And the one thing that I came to realization for myself is if I sort of avoid emotion, primarily because I don't want to feel the negative emotions. Mm -hmm. 
essentially what you slowly do is numb yourself to even feeling celebration, bliss, excitement, Mm -hmm. optimism. So you just kind of start to you're just on like cruise control. Mm-hmm. Right. So that was really striking for me. It's like, I can't limit my feeling of negative emotions because it's going to then give a ceiling or cap to my also mm-hmm. positive emotions. And that's, that's at least how I felt about mm-hmm. it. Right. Mm-hmm. So after idea. the first two hours, reflect and take responsibility, then you reconnect. Oh, one mm-hmm. quick thing on responsibility. Okay, go ahead. Because it <laughs> is a shift. It's not coming together and saying, you know what? We could be past this. All you have to do is take responsibility that you started this, right? Admit right. your blame. <laughs> If we're, if we're going to be true leaders in our own relationship, you don't just look for if I had responsibility, you look for where mm. you can take responsibility for, it might not have been what started it, but there's got to be something that you did or a way you were being that perpetuated it or led to a long argument hangover. Mm-hmm. So where can you take responsibility? Not mm-hmm. if you had responsibility. Mm-hmm. Right. right. I love that because so often couples, we do coaching as well. And so often couples will, you can tell when they want it to be someone else's fault. Mm-hmm. Like you can, they're like, and even if they don't say that sort of explicitly, you can tell by the way they kind of push away having any ownership in anything. And um, we've got three kids and we realize that their bad behavior is sometimes often always a reflection of <laughs> something right. that we've actually either done. And then, uh-huh. and I love that idea of instead of like, do I have any blame here? Where, like where, what is it that I did that added or took away or got sidetracked in this moment? So I love that we maybe shifting the way we think of the word blame or ownership or whatever responsibility mm-hmm. um, to be, to feel more empowering and less yeah. like, a bad thing, if that makes sense. Yeah. And I want to offer too, before going on to the third R, that I think that a word that I really would impact, like empower people to focus on is the responsibility word, as opposed to like, I know blame is a shorter right. word, but blame has a lot of negative energy around it. Whereas responsibility to even soften it is your ability to respond. Yes. I, was just and I can't remember say who that. said yes. that, like some mm-hmm. awesome author, but right. I think that responsibility <laughs> is a much more neutral emotion yes. as opposed to blame having a little bit more charge to it mm-hmm. and kind of can feel yeah negative inside okay so anyway going mm-hmm. back third r reconnect mm-hmm. which is easier said than done because especially in that argument hangover period you because of what was said and done you almost want distance from them right it really takes something setting aside the ego inside of you to actually mm-hmm. want to physically and emotionally come back together and so people will unfortunately less let the disconnection period last like you said days weeks so you want to reconnect share where you're taking responsibility hey what i realize and where i'm taking responsibility is then fourth r Remind. Well, a little bit more on that one too, because there's a lot of science behind whether it's the law of reciprocity or mirror neurons. Uh-huh. If you can go first by literally saying, hey, partner, where I see I can take responsibility is just my overall attitude was was not great. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you say that your partner is more often than not going to say, well, where I see I can take responsibility is. Right. So by you going first, you're also going to have the the opportunity to really come together and like both share your responsibility, which, you know, has most of us feel a little bit better. Right, so yeah. when you do that, you're reconnect. Oh, go ahead, Seth. Well, I, I'm now thinking about uh, 
the power of that and the, well, the power of vulnerability, right? Brene Brown's work. And if we can lead with vulnerability, what does that usually do? Like in our history right. of basically any argument we ever had, whoever has gone first, me, the other one, <laughs> mostly, <laughs> the, we, we mostly, that invites me to be right. like, oh, you're right. It, it, right. it, it like literally melts the ice mm -hmm. and sets the tone for like, Okay. Our right. shared vision of where we want to be is here. Mm -hmm. We both agree with that. That's our standard for connecting and a happy marriage and all that. You go first, that invites me. And mm -hmm. sometimes for couples, depending on family of origin or whatnot, going first and being like, well, I've been so hurt in the past. Right. I can't go first right. no matter what. Like Melanie has that ability to, to soften that. And of course I've done it too, mm -hmm. but it's just contingent upon the situation, but I love that, that the, the going first, the taking responsibility and leading with vulnerability. Mm -hmm. Well, it makes me think of, we often say when I bring it, you get it. And, and meaning like if I bring a bad attitude, that's what you get. Mm -hmm. Like that, that's what it sets the tone for everything. Mm -hmm. And it falls right in line with the mirror neuron idea. If I bring a good attitude, that's what you get. And it's going to, now it's going to feed back into me. So we like to turn it into like little silly things, but it really works. It's yeah. so true too. again with parenting where it's like, depending on how I show up is, is completely going to shape how my kid shows up. Absolutely. And when I bring it, they get it and vice versa. Um, so I love that you guys are using science too. I mean, that's like my favorite. I'm a total nerd for that <laughs> stuff, but keep on with your R's. Let's keep talking. No, I love, I love the fire that you guys have. So the fourth R is to remind, and that's to remind each other of both your commitment to each other, because especially if it was a more escalated disagreement, even the most confident partners who do tons of self-development can still feel hurt mm -hmm. and still even sometimes our insecurities can come up and sometimes even have people have a connection from conflict to, do you still love me? Right. You know, that mm -hmm. can even come from like my upbringing. I saw when I made my parents upset, do they still love me? And that could mm -hmm. show up in the relationship. And so you want to remind each other of your commitment mm -hmm. and remind each other of your agreements for conflict, which I know some people listening go, wait, Freemans, we don't have agreements for times of conflict. That's a whole other conversation that would be a segue. And we do go into that in the argument hangover book, but it's critical that you have agreements for times of conflict so that it isn't a free for all. You don't right. get to act any way you want just because you're triggered. So you right. remind each other of the agreements and then. Well, the fifth R is to reconcile. Once you go through all these steps, you're in a much better place. You're connected. Your energy is such that you're wanting to move forward. But the real benefit of a conflict is to reconcile it into the opportunity that it actually is. Which is different mm -hmm. than what most people do. They remember it as something they wish didn't happen right. or that ruined a Saturday or they never want to have happen again. Mm -hmm. It's actually a whole other sort of idea around consciousness that once something is in the past, it's only in how you remember it. Right. So actually, if you start to adjust the way you remember things, not like, oh, we had that conflict and we repaired from it, but you still think of it as disappointing or a place that you lost trust. The fifth step is powerful. You come together and say, what did we learn? How did we grow even deeper what did I see for myself to grow as an individual? Now, how you remember that conflict was a benefit to you and the relationship. Mm -hmm. So having a conversation mm -hmm. to reconcile it into the opportunity for learning is a powerful way to not come back to it later because right. you've already changed it into a positive. 
Yeah, that's that, awesome. That is, I, so I didn't know if you guys knew, but I'm also a licensed marriage and family therapist for about, mm-hmm. I don't know, 13 years or so. So I refer back to science and research often, and Gottman is coming up a lot in this conversation. And one of the, the determinants for a successful marriage is if, and this is anecdotally, it's not verbatim, but he does, he has studied this, right. is how we remember the past. Like, was our wedding day? you know, just blissful was the birth of our children. Was it traumatic? Was it, was it hard? Or was it like the best thing ever? Uh, those vacations that we went on, how, how we handle money, all these things, the real determinant, if we remember them just negatively, mm-hmm. then we're like, Oh yeah, I, it, our marriage has never been good. How can I expect mm-hmm. it to be good now? Right. But as we can, this is cool because I really like this. And, and this takes some maybe even a different level of consciousness for, for couples who are struggling with, right. you know, having bad memories in the past. You said this, or you said that, or remember that time my mom did this or whatever. If we can go back and rewrite the narrative around that, you know what, that was a really hard time, mm-hmm. but I learned so much about myself in that, that makes me stronger right. today, right. you know, or like, man, when we had that tragedy happen in our family or whatever, you and I came together so mm-hmm. strongly and it was so cool. It, 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 it can galvanize a marriage for good or for bad. So that that's really cool. I yeah. love that you guys brought it that makes, up. It's so weird. I want to share a story that is going to sound not related, but it totally made me think of this. So when we got engaged, you guys, it was not great. <laughs> Seth's family is from the deep south. Well, the engagement I, was cool. Right. Right. But, but I'm yeah. from Seattle, like tattoos, who cares? Purple hair, no one cares. But the deep south, the Bible belt, it ain't the same there. And when we got engaged, his mom called me. Uh, and, and people know the story. It's not like a secret or anything. But his mom called me on the phone and let me have it, you guys. She told me up, down, left, and right all the ways that I was terrible. I was selfish. I was awful. I was going to ruin her son. Wow. And I never once um, got mad back at her. And this is not me being like, I'm so great. Look at how great I am. Mm-hmm. But I took the opportunity to, I was like, I'm one, I want to get married and this is his mom. So I better do this right. Right. But then one of the, the things that made me think of this sort of the reconciliation part of it and reconciling or whatever, is that I never looked back at that experience with any amount of bitterness anger, hurt, anything. I just said, you know, I learned a lot Mm. about Mm -hmm. how a mother loves a son and how a wife loves a man. Like it it taught me a lot. And that's all the takeaway has always been. And the focus has always been. uh, And the remembering has always been aimed towards what growth did that bring? How did it make me a better person? Our relationship stronger? When the majority of people would have been like, that's it. I'm done. Your mom's yeah. worse. Let's fight for a thousand years. You know, so it's interesting because it really is the sort of like metacognition energy where you realize like I actually interpret what my memories mean. Mm-hmm. I interpret if they're good or bad. Right. I overlay that. Everything is basically neutral and I overlay it on top. Well, not everything's neutral, but mm-hmm. you know what I mean? So I love that that's how you're teaching this. And I love that it's the energy that you bring is really complex, deep thinking and sort of analyzing even the way that we think about our memories. I think that's genius. Mm-hmm. You guys well, and if just- I can jump in too, I think that I, I love what you just said. You know, if you look at all, even the things that influence us like media, we're really influenced by movies and TV. You know, that's where we pick up a lot of beliefs and patterns Mm -hmm. about the world. And what do we see in in movies when conflict happens? Breakups, divorce, you know, depression, and Mm -hmm. just it being a horrible season. We don't really see these depictions of like a healthy conflict happened. They reconciled it and they're stronger for it. Mm -hmm. It's often portrayed as this intense thing. And then the relationship ends. Mm -hmm. And so people 
I invite people to start to see conflict as not something that's bad, but actually is one of your greatest opportunities for learning about yourself. Like people who listen to podcasts are all, you know, I would assume into self-development, like you're mm-hmm. listening because you're wanting to grow. Mm-hmm. And so if you want to have self-development, that doesn't happen from the rosy conversations in your relationship. That mm-hmm. happens from the conversations where you are confronted and where your beliefs are being challenged and where you're triggered and you want to do your default thing. And so when I changed the way I saw conflict, actually something that can be quite transformative, quite healing, powerful for our bond it changed the way I showed up in conflict. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, and it's interesting that as you were saying that, the thing that kept coming to my mind was in almost all areas in our lives, we expect and assume that growth will be a part of that. Parenting, you expect that you'll mm-hmm. get like better as you ha- your kids are older. Financially, uh, financially, we all hope to make more money right. to improve. No right? one is like, yeah, stay financially stagnant forever. That's the goal. But that's kind of how they approach long-term monogamous relationships, like you're saying, in social media, in TV, in movies, it's mm-hmm. like the worst examples humanly possible. There's right. never growth. It's just we freak out and then it's we It's always, fight. this is me, take it or leave it. Right, 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 right. Um, Like hands in the air, like you're throwing up your hands, whatever. Uh, that sounded kind of like a party. That's not what I meant. <laughs> like you grew up, not, not a party. Not a fun um, party. But it's weird to think that like, if we want to get better at anything, it's through the trials of getting better. I, for some reason, mm-hmm. the idea of fencing, like someone fencing, mm-hmm. you get better by practicing on the thing you're not good at, mm-hmm. like, right? You don't get better by only doing the things you're good at. Right. You get better by doing the things you're struggling with. So how we have sort of demonized arguments or conflict in marriage is really sad because that is how we grow. It is how we understand what our weaknesses are and how we change them by stepping into them, mm-hmm. practicing them, transforming them, adjusting, dissecting. But people don't see it that way. Mm-hmm. They see it as a, well, oh, this is bad. Stay away from it. Right. And I always think at the end of this conversation or argument or whatever that Seth and I might have, I'm going to know something more. Mm-hmm. I'm going to have been, I'm, I'm going to have something revealed to me that will help. And so that's the energy that I tend to come into. Maybe I'm more like Aaron kind of being like conflict avoidant to some degree. I'm like, let's don't talk about it. Is Aaron conflict avoidant? Did you you, just label him? No, you had said something that maybe you had gone that way a little bit. Uh, um, so that that's just funny. I'm not. I'm not. Don't pigeonholing you. Sorry. No, I didn't take it as a label. Uh, actually, in our book, we do have four communication personality types, mm. and that was a better way for us to see our dynamic because communication is not one size fits all. So I do fall as a reserved, inflexible type, which mm. has some tendencies, as you say, to be you know conflict avoidant or at least like shut down or stop talking as a as a better way than sort of the outward burst but that what that does is have jocelyn feel isolated and shut out Mm -hmm. she doesn't know what's going on and so the repressive actions can be just as hurtful as the reactive actions as well right tell us more about the types i'd love to know more Mm -hmm. about that Yeah. So it's actually really helpful to just because I know some people are listening, but are also visual learners. So in Mm -hmm. the book, we have visuals to show what the four types are like. So there are four communication personality types, which came from us after having so many conversations with couples, realizing that one partner would try to work on communication and the other partner wouldn't be implementing it the exact same way Mm -hmm. or would do it, you know, in a different way. So then they'd be like, no, you're not communicating. You're not (laughs) doing it. And so we really after synthesizing, I come from a research background even before this work. So I actually really love like watching trends and data and all the things. So 
we realized there are actually four different communication personality types and it's a four by four, you know, matrix two model. By two. Sorry. Yes. Two by two, yeah. four squares. <laughs> and so there's assertive, inflexible, assertive, flexible, reserved, inflexible, and reserved, flexible. So I love that. It would take a lot longer to, we actually do like long workshops on this. So it would be a little bit hard to go into all four, but as a brief to describe our type, cause it'll even help people start to get. So I'm assertive, inflexible, which means mm. I process through talking, which is why sometimes people will say like, you have to say it so many times for you to get it right. Like you repeat yourself. And that's oftentimes how assertive partners do communicate is like by saying it and almost saying it over and over again, but the inflexibility piece that I have indicates that if I'm not conscious, I can be pretty attached to my perspective. Mm-hmm. And that's when I can sometimes interrupt him and be like, no, no, no. But then the reserve type. This is a, they all have interesting dynamics. So in this one, the reserved inflexible, I might even give more of the compliance. Yes. You know, I, I might shut down or be like, yeah, I see it your way. And then not say a lot else. So that leaves Jocelyn feeling like I'm on board and agreeing with what she's saying. This even came up last week for us. Where I was like, oh, I'm such a good listener. I listened so intently. She felt understood. But what I didn't say was that I agreed with that or I was on the same page. So she would just assume that in my listening and understanding, we were on the same page. But the reserved inflexible is like, no, I see it my way, but I might not necessarily be so open in expressing that, which can cause assumptions and expectations. So as an example mm. of a tension and pain point, because actually quite a few couples have one assertive partner and one reserved. What's interesting is the assertive type can be frustrated that the reserve type takes more time to process. Mm. So they can almost keep asking more and asking more and almost trying to rush their timing, which only makes reserved partners shut down more mm-hmm. if they're unconscious. But the assertive type is just needing to be clued in that the mm. reserve partner is processing and thinking. Right. So it helped a ton when Aaron started to say, hey, I don't have an answer for you right now. I need to actually think through that. Can I come back to you in a couple hours? Mm. Rather than the reserve type can tend to just be like, uh, I don't know. And just <laughs> yeah. leave the assertive partner <laughs> right. hanging. Right. right. And then that makes me think of the pursuer distancer dynamic right. that I see a lot of mm-hmm. in, in uh, therapy and family mm-hmm. systems. It's like, okay, if the assertive type is pursuing, hey, what do you think? What do you think? Give me an answer. Give me an answer. Then the other type is going to go, ah, I'm right. kind of f- freaking out over here. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Give me a minute. And then the other person, the pursuer goes, okay, I'll just chase them faster. Right. And then the other person starts running right. faster. Metaphorically, What's funny course. is that that makes me think of like, I don't know why, but I'm a definitely, you're definitely assertive, assertive yeah. and I would say flexible. Was it flexible? Assertive, flexible, There's flexible and inflexible. Right. Mm-hmm. I think I'm assertive, flexible, I think. Uh, but the thing that comes to mind is that there have been times, and I've learned this the hard way through coaching other couples, actually, mm-hmm. where because I'm assertive and I want to share my thought and I process verbally, it's like I have a fire hose of information. And But imagine like an actual fire hose right. and I'm blasting you with the fire hose and saying, come closer to me, come close. And you're like, I, can't, I literally can't. Right. Right. And But I'm like blasting constantly. And I've had to tell our clients and myself, you've got to whittle it down to bullet points. Sam and be done. Mm-hmm. Like walk away. And this is just a tip to 
people like me, like the mm-hmm. pursuers, like the ones who want to like keep saying the things is that I think it's really helpful to realize like your partner's got a process. Mm-hmm. You have a process. They've got a process and like, let it simmer for a bit. Don't just hammer I'm like, at it all I'm the time. like cold brewed coffee. I take a really long time, but then the, the final product is really delicious. Right. I'm not. I'm like a firehouse of coffee. What's also really interesting in, in that you say, and it takes some practice, but a really great reserve type of partner would listen to the assertive, like the fire hose, right? Because mm-hmm. that's also moving energy for them and they're mm-hmm. processing there. So if the reserve partner said, so in summary, what I'm taking away is one, two, three would mm-hmm. be super great communicator. Right. Yeah, Because that would give you feedback of, mm-hmm. okay, they're tracking. Okay. He's, he's getting what I'm saying. Right. He needs a minute. Right. So that's awesome. So I want to bounce around a little and I also want to be observant of time here. So can I ask a question? Yeah, I have a question. What do you wish most couples could understand if you could give them like three nuggets of wisdom of anything mm-hmm. that you'd be like, this will transform your marriage. What is it? And you can each have three different ones. Yeah. So first one is just to reiterate what we just said. Communication is not one size fits all Mm -hmm. and don't get expect or get frustrated. If your partner has a different style, just focus on learning more about their type. Mm -hmm. So that's the first piece. Second piece is to actually see conflict as an opportunity and to focus on healthy conflict skills. Mm -hmm. So how can I become what we call fight smarter? How can fighting smarter because you're focused on the benefit that it has rather than you being right Mm -hmm. and having healthy tools for that. The third one. I like to come up with things on the spot in the moment. And this was something I thought about early in this conversation I would say because when couples get to a place where they are confronted with a lot of things and it's feeling more challenging, they often say, if we could only get back to X when we were connected, Mm. that even from a science perspective, I won't go into the details, but it's like why time travel is impossible. You cannot (laughs) go back to a previous energy to what energy is already available And you don't want to go back to a previous state. I think that's a huge misnomer because you are already different people than back then. Mm -hmm. Plus, why do you want to go backwards? If you can have a vision statement for where you're going, you can reframe and see challenges as being on the path to the growth and evolution to the future that you're creating. So you don't ever need to go back to a place. I understand why people say that, Mm -hmm. but more so use the five R's, have a vision statement, and then start to see your challenges as on the path to realizing Mm -hmm. that. Right. I love that. Um, I love that you said having a vision, because that's one of the things we do with our clients and we talk about it all the time, is like you have to have a vision that's strong enough to draw you forward and pull you out of times when you like trip and fall and you feel, and it's kind of like a marathon. Like people want to do the Iron Man or whatever. Mm-hmm. Or is that what's called? That's a thing. Iron, isn't that a hero? <laughs> Iron Man? It's both. Yeah. Both. Okay. It's both. I, that was really <laughs> weird. My brain just went like super weird for a minute, but that, that vision of crossing that finish line, having mm-hmm. said, I completed a marathon, like that vision gets you up and gets you through the hard times, but couples almost never seem to have that vision for their marriage, mm-hmm. for their parenting, for their finances. Mm-hmm. So when they get knocked down, they're like, well, might as well stay down. Forget Nothing's it. ever good. Yeah. I wish I was like when we were single or didn't have kids or didn't yeah. whatever. <laughs> you know, so I think you you have such a great point in saying time travel isn't possible. <laughs> and I love I would love to have you nerd out on that and have all the science because that sounds like a lovely conversation. <laughs> that well, Stephen Hawking in his book, uh Something, uh, something um, time. A wrinkle in t- no a wrinkle. A in wrinkle time. in time. No. It's a something time, and no, it? it's on my nightstand. Um uh uh 
a brief moment in time. A brief, brief history. A brief time. history of time. Right? Yes. I was close. <laughs> yes, time travel is impossible because of essentially entropy. The amount of energy being available, you can't just uh, get rid of. So right. anyway, that was the summary of it. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love it. So I, I was going to uh, ask about something, but I think this may be a, a, a good segue. So we're talking about what's the shared vision. And mm-hmm. uh, before we hit record, you guys just moved from Arizona to Charlotte, North Carolina, which is cool because I'm from South Carolina. So I always like any, you know, anything Southern basically is like, oh, okay, let's talk about that. But you said, hey, let's go for it. And we made that leap. Can you talk a little bit about how that shared vision of your marriage uh, supported both of you guys making that big leap and what it actually took for you guys to do that? Yeah. So, I mean, multiple factors came in. So our vision is to really impact as many couples as we can, but also for our own personal experience, we believe the purpose of life is to experience purely like the purpose of life is to experience as many things as possible. And so we, I often, when I'm trying to make decisions, of course, make sure it aligns with our vision as a couple, but we Mm -hmm. also look at when I'm a hundred years old, because I plan on being a centurion, (laughs) <laughs> and I'm sitting on the rocking chair. For some reason, I imagine I'm on a rocking chair. Very vibrantly. Yes. Right. Very, very <laughs> energetic centurion. Will I be glad that I didn't do this or did? Mm-hmm. And so even if I don't know the outcome, like moving, I was terrified. We have such a network in Arizona. Like literally we have access to any contact, anything. And so I was really nervous, but I, I knew that the hundred year old self would wonder if I never lived anywhere else. Mm. So wanting to experience as much as possible in life made a big difference. Anything else you'd add about the move? No, it's just, you know, having a really clear vision statement and probably similar to you, we actually have five steps to create one that you can remember, but by having that, we just can make decisions a lot faster. So Mm -hmm. we said, does this seem that it moves that vision forward. And then similar Mm -hmm. to what Jocelyn was saying, does staying in Arizona at this moment move that vision forward? And it, you know, honestly just seemed that moving, though we didn't know what the next thing was going to be, was going to be on the path. So Mm -hmm. I think that's one of the things is just to get to that place of trust and intuition and guidance and Mm -hmm. knowing Mm -hmm. to just take the next step rather than sometimes our logical mind is like, well, I don't see four or five steps ahead, but pretty much never will, right? Mm -hmm. If you can confidently step out to the next step you see, then sometimes the third and fourth paths open up only after you get there. Mm -hmm. Right, right. Because you can't, you can only take one step at a time. Mm -hmm. If I'm walking, you know, out the door of a studio (laughs) or to China, it all starts with one step, right? Can't so get on step 18. Her, my father-in-law, her dad, talks about what is the best next step. Not mm. the hundredth step later, but the best next step right here, right now. Right. So that, that's really helpful. And one of the things you said, too, that I love is that having a vision, and you, you said it like this, it helps us make decisions faster. Mm-hmm. I would love you to talk about that a little bit because I think um, that's one thing couples don't see. You don't know it till you've done it kind of a thing. And so how does it help you make decisions faster to have a vision? Well, because then rather than it being a my opinion versus yours or focusing on the doubts or the fears, the considerations, like even people who go, like, I'm going to make a positive and minus list mm-hmm. rather than it being based on opinions or differences. It's more so does this align with the vision? And mm-hmm. if it aligns with the vision, we have almost always said yes, even if it was mm-hmm. a scary investment or it was an opportunity or it was a trip or it was, in, you know, giving money away like the move, if it aligned with the vision, then we trusted the vision. Mm. rather than some opinion or difference. 
Right. Mm -hmm. I think that's really powerful too, because oftentimes people that some people are, some people, Seth included, <laughs> are very good at talking himself out or into something based on emotion. Mm -hmm. And if we don't have that like very sort of solid core of our vision, we we can persuade or dissuade ourselves from doing something that was either harmful or helpful or whatever. Right. So I love that having a vision really does. It's like a through line. It, it carries mm -hmm. you toward what you want. And even mm -hmm. the idea of creating a vision is... Um, really connecting for couples yeah. like that or a vision board. We yeah. have two vision boards. We do. The, yeah. We do with our kids even. Yeah. That's I awesome. love it. So, um, okay. Uh, I know we're bumping up against time here. So I want to ask you a, a parting question. Then of course, where people can find all your stuff. What is one thing that is bringing you guys jazz now? Just, I mean, it can be anything from like, well, I bake cookies twice a day or like <laughs> I carve wood and I love it. I don't know. It doesn't matter what it's related to. What is bringing you guys super interest in jazz? You first. Well, after the quarantine and getting a book deal and writing it during quarantine and talking about it and promoting it, it comes out on March 16th. So Holding our book would be the thing we're most jazzed about. Like, I just want to physically hold it. I meditate it. in the morning, like visualizing holding it. Finally. Right on. Oh, I love that. Right love on. It. That's awesome. And is That's that the same for you, Justin? Yeah, yeah, I think okay. I'm super similar, like literally can't wait to hold it. It was such a miraculous story how it all happened anyway. So I think watching, like almost seeing the miracle finally come into complete fruition will be really cool. That's awesome. awesome. Well, um, yeah, so talk talk about the book, where people can get it, and of course, the launch date of it, mm -hmm. and maybe just a brief story of like, how how did it happen? How did it oh, come to fruition? Oh, because the miracle caught you. You were curious yeah. about the miracle, right? Yeah, Tell yeah. us. <laughs> yeah. So um, I'll tell the miracle story first, because then it kind of sets up the excitement for it. So a few years ago now, must be three, three and a half years ago, we had made a difference with one couple, we'd coached them, they were really in a in a breakdown season, made a difference, not knowing that he's like, ridiculously connected, like you would not know the powerful people he's connected to just a humble guy. So mm -hmm. one day, we're on our way home from the gym, and we get this call. And he's like, Hey, there's this couple that needs your support. They happen to be famous, but they'll be at your house in an hour. And we're <laughs> like, what? Like, okay. Yeah. So we treat every human the same, right? So didn't matter who they were, that they were, you know, known around the world and just treated them just as human beings, made a difference with them, supported them over a year, never made it about money, never asked for favors, mm -hmm. never said, oh, you know, since you're so networked, could you connect us right. to this person up? Just added value. So one day we get this introduction to a publisher and, and the publisher knowing them, you know, loved our concept. We told them about the argument hangover. It actually started with a different concept slightly, like a more inclusive of a bunch of topics, but we mm -hmm. all really love just focusing on just the argument hangover. So we got the book deal. It was actually like a month into quarantine when we got the email and, you know, mm. the world's like breaking down and then right. we get the email and we're like, wow, what? It's just a cool manifestation of you never know where our relationship's going to go and you right. never know what's going to happen if you just focus on adding value. Yeah. Mm -hmm. oh, I, love I love that. that. That's awesome. Yeah. That's amazing. That is yeah. really cool. So, okay. Um, talk about the book. Where can people get it? I'm assuming they can get it everywhere, but I don't yeah, want to so assume anything. So. Yeah, everywhere. Um, so all the, you know, Amazon, Barnes and Noble, all the retailers. And here's the thing, because it comes out in March, depending on when this airs, it really is worth even pre-ordering because we're actually giving $200 worth of pre-order bonuses, including two trainings on communication, conflict, emotional triggers, being mm. better listeners. And that can all be claimed at theargumenthangover.com. So you also get a workbook. So it's, I mean, it's just worth, you order the book, but for, right. you know, 
the price of a book, you get $200 worth of courses. Uh, yeah. So theargumenthangover.com. Awesome. That's awesome. That is, yeah. So you guys pre-order it now. You get all the goodies. Probably you won't be able to get the goodies if you don't pre-order it. Right. So go to theargumenthangover.com right now. And any other um, handles or anything uh, where you want people to find out more about you guys? Yeah, well, we're super social on Instagram. So we're Meet the Freemans, M-E-E-T, the Freemans. And that's also our website. So connect with us on Instagram, hang out with us on our website. That's right. awesome. Well, thank you guys so yeah. much. You guys are really encouraging and inspiring. And I love the level of deep thinking that you bring into the marriage space. And mm-hmm. uh, just to sort of affirm and thank you for the work that you're doing, because when we change marriages, we change families. And when we change families, we change lives, we change yeah. the world. So I just love your passion for it, that you followed it. Um, I just deeply respect that. Being in the same field, we know how hard it is. It's a it's a big thing to tackle and you guys are doing an amazing job. So I like really want to air five, like <laughs> shout an air five. So yeah, woo! <laughs> anyway, thank you so much for joining us and we'll send up links to all of the, to the book and all of that, the pre-order and everything. So thank you so much. Yeah, thanks, thanks for guys. having us guys. All right. Talk to you later. Bye. 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 Bye.